I'm Mike Wood. And I'm Justin DeGlue. And you're listening to the Very Fine Comic Book Podcast. Where we talk about very fine comic books. And today we're talking about Jonathan Hickman's The Manhattan Projects. So everybody knows that Robert Oppenheimer did not have a sadistic, evil, identical twin brother who murdered him, ate his brains, and stole his identity and took his place at Los Alamos. But the Manhattan Projects ask... What if he did? I could see where you were going with that a mile away. <laughs> yes. So this is uh, a favorite of Mike's, but before we get to this, we're going to do the classic, what have we been reading? What have you been reading, Mike? Well, on the subject of Jonathan Hickman, the writer of the book we're discussing today, I've been uh, continuing to read his new Marvel miniseries. I, this title, every time- Ultimate Invasion? Ultimate Invasion, Ultimate Nightmare? Wait, wait a minute. What the so heck is this called? You're recommending the same comic you recommended before. No, this is issue two. I mean, you go, yeah, okay. okay. I may have to put, I may have to put a rule saying okay, you can't okay. recommend. You know what? Let's keep going okay, though. Keep going. And because uh, I want to talk, yeah, this is a good segue into talking about Jonathan Hickman and his structure. Actually, let me. Um, and you're a big Jonathan Hickman fan, aren't massive. you? I've read uh, everything he's done for the most part, and I thought he would not be coming back to Marvel. Yeah, didn't he have issues? Like, wasn't a big kerfuffle? Uh, he has a lot of issues, hundreds of issues for Marvel. Mm. No. Oh! Um. I yeah I thought his X Men run was like slightly interrupted or something or he didn't get to you know do his his full plan for it but um, oh yeah but his X Men thing was so convoluted <laughs> like it wasn't that the island and clones oh I loved it I thought it was the opposite of convoluted I thought it was incredibly uh like straightforward that's what I heard I was reading people. the whole thing from yeah. and all the tie ins for that so uh, he's been doing a new miniseries called Ultimate Invasion which. Uh, is purporting to bring back the Ultimate Universe, which we've discussed many times. Mm-hmm. It's a you know was a spin-off Marvel Universe that is uh, has been killed. It's yeah, just destroyed. Really, doesn't really need to exist anymore. Nope. Uh, you know, the couple of relevant characters like Miles Morales have been folded into the main universe. And Samuel Jackson, Nick Fury has yeah. also been folded into the main universe. Mm-hmm. So uh, the premise of this miniseries is that uh, the uh, Reed Richards of that universe, who is a villain, uh, has recreated it, but seemingly altering history to like eliminate uh, the creation of every other hero, so that he is the only powered character. So, thankfully, the series moves really quickly. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Yeah. So, a comic that's supposed to be bringing back the Ultimates universe yeah. is also killing every villain as it goes. Kind of off camera, like in media res, and I. So I actually was kind of blah about the basic premise when he read issue one. Mm-hmm. Love the Brian Hitch art. I love Hickman's writing, even when I'm not necessarily sold in the premise. Uh, but from issue two, I kind of went like, what? Huh? What is this comic actually going to be about? Because there's this uh, graph. Jonathan Hickman loves his graphs. He does them himself, right? Because they all look the same. Yeah, yeah. Uh, showing like what's happened to you know each uh, Hero. character. So there's like an example of like you see the spider that's going to go bite Peter Parker, and like you know Reed Richards kind of catches it. So it's like, oh, we couldn't have that accident. Ha ha. Mm. And I'm sure stuff like this has been done Wait, before. Where is this happening in time? So he's jumping around in time, then, right? Yeah, yeah. In like a reformed Ultimate Universe. So does he stop Captain America for screaming? You think this A on my head stands for France? (laughs) Yeah. Well, Captain America was like never unfrozen and yada, yada, yada. So it's just a bunch of humans and, uh, you know. Wow. Sounds like an exciting book. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's yet to be revealed what the maker's plans are. But there's this really dynamic sequence in this issue where uh, like a superpowered army from the future comes back to try and stop. And it's all ultimate versions of characters. And then he stops them by having already preemptively rounded up like the uh, uh, present day humans that they're descended from and like has them all murdered and then all the future clones just like die horribly and melt into puddles of goo. It doesn't sound like something I would enjoy. It's uh, it's science weird and yeah. I think it's uh, it kind of fits with what we're talking about today. Mm. There's a lot of goop oh, uh, yes. in this book and in the Manhattan Projects itself. You know what? It sounds like maybe an issue I have with the Manhattan Project, which is what is the point of view in this comic? <laughs> exactly. And wh- why should you keep reading? But we'll get to that. We'll get yeah, to that. So what are you reading? So I talked about last week that, or last episode, we record these in bunches. So mm. it, the illusion that we record one every week mm. is that uh, the new Nightwing comic that like won an Eisner. Tom Taylor, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I've become... Tom Taylor pilled. Tom Taylor is amazing. Have read almost everything Tom Taylor has written. Wasn't so, his big first thing writing Injustice? Yes. So okay. I did not read that okay. because there is nothing more 
anathema to what I like than injustice. It's like, <laughs> ugh, Extreme no, and no violence. thank you, okay. yeah. It's like, what if Superman was bad? Mm-hmm. No, get, get that out of here. Did I read... All of his run, six volumes of X-23. I did. Wow, I didn't know he wrote that. He wrote an amazing two-volume set of uh, Spider-Man called Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. Really great. There's like an amazing issue that's all from like MJ's point of view and Spider-Man at the beginning gets uh, back from like a big fight he had, falls asleep, and then it like follows her day of what she does during it. Hmm. There's like an underground thing where like they find a city underground. It seemed to have been like oh, we want this to be from Spider-Man's like point of view and the people, like his neighbors and stuff like that. And it only unfortunately lasted two volumes and they canceled it on him. I read his uh, currently running kind of um, Superman, the son of Kal, which is about like Superboy, his real son, who's now grown up into a teenager in the Bendis run. And it's all about him. So good. Mm. All of these comics are like, oh, this guy understands these characters and wants the most empathetic version he did an amazing uh suicide squad run that's about a team called the mercenaries oh i did read that with those entirely new characters yeah called bad blood yeah Yeah, really good all of his comics are all about the superheroes being like Mm -hmm. why are we helping to solve things from a systematic level like what what is punching people doing and that's like kind of what that suicide squad run is about yeah of like well we're mercenaries we would be terrorists in any other book like 10 years ago but we're really the good guys in this situation Mm mm-hmm yeah, that was like, uh, I don't remember all their names, but it was like Wink. What was really good about a Suicide Squad run is by introducing new characters, it's like, well, any of them can die at any time because they're new. So yeah. they have no pre-connected uh, that was links. Great. Yeah, and the original Ostrander Suicide Squad book used to be kind of like that too. But now, like the last several because years- Because like Harley Quinn is not going to die. Yeah, they're locked into this mode where it's like, yeah. oh, here's all these main characters that you know will never, ever, ever die. I also read his creator-owned series, Seven Secrets. I didn't read his- children's series The Deep that supposedly was turned into like a hundred episode Netflix kids TV show that I've never heard like a, of. Like an yeah. animated series? Yeah, an animated okay. series. Oh, he wrote Deceased. Yeah, I, again, Great pun. That is like you know what? no interest you in You know that. what? That one, I thought I was done with like, here's superheroes turn into zombies. Yes. It is so much more interesting than that. I know. That's because yeah. he's really good. His Tales is really good. You know what? Another um, comic that yeah. I would have had no interest in, but I read because he uh, wrote it was... Dark Age, I think it was a Marvel miniseries of what if the superheroes failed and all the power went out. Oh wow! Uh, in the world, and it's just like five issues of that. Was that the series where like Spider-Man every night has to web up all of New York City because it's like molecularly no. breaking down? No, somehow? it's not oh, that okay. one. That's the one where Spider-Man like there's a joke that he has like a steam powered, and I know I say this and you're like ugh, uh, like web shooters because he doesn't have electricity anymore, and like they make a thwap sound. Someone's like whoa. It made a thwap sound. What's going on? They used to be thwip. <laughs> the thing about Tom Taylor is he clearly loves comics. Yeah. Like in his X-23 run, there's a whole issue that it builds to like, what's the thing in the box? And it's a thing that attracts Bing Fang Foom. <laughs> like, oh, that's, that's how it ends. So like, he loves all, he knows these characters. Like that Dark Age stuff is one of those, is there a term for like these miniseries? And it wasn't even, I don't think it was an event that connected to anything else. I think it was just a miniseries that spans like 30 years. Yeah. Some of them are just like mini events or something. And like, whatever you want to call them when i hear that i go oh it's gonna be so bad like because you know you have to go through so much stuff but he knows these characters so he can give everybody a little moment too and if you read all the series like the mercenaries from a suicide squad run show up in his uh superman superman son of cat l run okay so like wow yeah so a lot of injustice superman also shows up in his superman son of cat l uh, series oh, as well cool. the okay. thing they're doing with that superboy series is they keep renaming it and like restarting at number one it's like <sighs> god stop it Both, all the so confused dc and marvel just keep doing that it's like it makes it so hard down the road to actually find i think right now his main title that he's working on is titans which okay. is his like teen titans thing so he's yep. written a bunch written a bunch of star wars too i i, I didn't check those totally out. read some star wars by tom taylor yeah he did some of like poe dameron i think um, he did like some one shots of the new a... trilogy Oh, Superior Iron Man, I loved. Yeah, I didn't check that Iron one. Man. Became, is that Doctor uh, Doom? No, no, oh. that was 
infamous Iron Man. Ugh. Superior Iron Man is when all the alignments. There was an event where every all the heroes became evil, all the villains became good, mm. and the premise was that he invents an app that makes everyone beautiful, mm. and it like the first day is free. Yeah, and then after that, you start to like cellularly break down, and uh, you have to keep paying for it. Wasn't there a mini series someone made about that? They like you become beautiful, but then like a couple of years after that, you explode. Was that the beauty? Yeah, the I think it was the beauty. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but so Tom Taylor, he has gotten A plus in my book. I will be buying any series that he puts out because he loves these characters. He understands them. Mm -hmm. So I am like tied to the Tom Taylor train now. That's so, great. I'd love to read more. You know, I'd never heard of him before because I don't really or at least not since we started the podcast. I've never really read any new mainstream. Why mm -hmm. would I? <laughs> like, yeah. It's too confusing. Can't really follow. But Tom Taylor, man, he's in my good books. I do recommend uh, Deceased. Now that's done. It's just like three short miniseries. If, it's a great dark side story. If yeah. you like the sort of um, the anti-life equation kind of stuff, it's more about that than it is about like zombies. Okay. And he, again, it's a premise where I'm like, oh, there's been so many Marvel zombie series that just got worse and worse and worse and worse. How is this going to be interesting? And he knocks it out of the park. He's perpetually doing character beats that just like page turning, oh my God, moments. Or it's like, I've never seen a writer do, you know, this concept or this or this. Deadpool showed up in X-23 and I was like, ugh, Deadpool. And then I was like, by the end of the issue, I went, do I like Deadpool now? No, I only like Tom Taylor writing Deadpool. <laughs> Did you ever read the like, there's hundreds of issues of like Spider-Man Deadpool, Cable and Deadpool has hundreds of issues of that as well. Yeah, I had the whole Cable and Deadpool series by Fabian Nicieza. Oh, I think so you were, you, you were Deadpool pilled. Well, then. that was before Deadpool really came back. That was a Cable series first and foremost. Oh, was it? Yeah, that okay, was really... Like, uh, when when was that? 10 years ago? That like, that was like dead, Deadpool years. crazy uh, though? Yeah, about that. What, what what triggered that dead? That's pre the movie too. That like, like many years pre the movie. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what it was. I I uh, you know what? I have a good answer. Internet jerkdom. Yes, that's yeah. how Deadpool got popular. I think so because um, I don't know before. Uh, I'm trying to think of like the Deadpool resurgence in like the late 2000s, early 2010 maybe was like jerk Deadpool. He was such a frat bro, and yeah. it wasn't until Jerry Dugan and Brian Posehn. Right, the did first that mini of series, like yeah. no many series, like oh. they were they were on Deadpool for like multiple long series that he started to become like a more sympathetic character. Did you read the original Deadpool run, which is like nineties? So oh, like, yeah, looking the, at the that original mini series, or like yeah, because there was a hundred issues of that as well, right? Uh, I'm thinking yeah. of that like logo. Remember in Marvel in the nineties, they had like a three D logo kind of on oh, the yeah. front cover. Yeah, I would always pick them up as a kid, and it was just impenetrable to me. Even though I really like that issue where he goes back to the Amazing Spider Man. Remember that when he time travels? No, I never no? that. Yeah. And like the art is in like Steve Ditko style okay. uh, when they did it. Oh, so you're not that much of a Deadpool head. Not though. really, no. 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 I mean, is Deadpool cool again now, now that he's not really cool and nobody cares about I him? I like movie Deadpool and I like uh, the like Jerry Dugan and Brian Posehn Deadpool mm. run. And I think that's about it. Mm. Yeah. Like I, I don't want to read like, uh, you know, annoying frat bro. No, not, uh, not making, really interested uh, juvenile in like Maxim magazine. There was like a Spider-Man Deadpool series as well that I it heard went that up was to really like issue nine, <laughs> uh, volume nine. Yeah, that was like a 50 issue series. Uh, <laughs> Wild. I, I hear that one was really funny. And, I mean, uh, I'm not excited for Deadpool 3. But, so like yeah. Hugh Jackman and Deadpool, they're together. Jimmy Chong, <laughs> you love it? We're talking about The Manhattan Project. When did this comic come out? Who wrote it? Why'd you pick it? So it's 2012. It's by Jonathan Hickman. And at the time, I was he even writing Marvel yet? I really loved- 2012? Uh, yeah. Probably. He was probably doing his Avengers run by by then, right? Actually, yeah. That would have started by ne by then and Fantastic Four before that. Do you that. know where Jonathan Hickman came from? Like, did he start at Marvel? Does he have like indie series? Yeah. He had a really acclaimed image series called The Nightly News, which hmm. he uh, drew as well. And it the layout of it is- He drew it. Uh, well, designed it, okay. I guess you'd say. And um, the layout is absolutely wild. If you just Google, uh, like, Jonathan Hickman, The Nightly News, it's... Um, only six, six issues. Yeah, only six issues. Uh, it's been perpetually in print. It's, uh, it has a really gorgeous hardcover edition, too. And um, it really was, like, one of the, at the time, one of the most dynamic things I had ever seen at a time of comics were kind of like samey and and not as creative as they have been for the last like 10 or 15 years hmm. and uh 
it was all done in this very like oranges and sepia color tones and the layout like varied so wildly from page to page and you got a sense of like okay he really likes his like typography and graphs and information and this is like a dense 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 I do feel though around that period there were a lot of comics that looked like that I'm thinking of uh, Brian Wood series all kind of looked like that. You know what I'm talking about, like DMZ and things like oh, that. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, not that I would recommend uh, anything that Brian Wood has written, even though yeah. that they're very, they're, he wrote a lot. No relation to me. I swear. And uh, uh, Matt Fraction was doing a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that was similar to that. So, I got to check out Nightly News. So though. maybe that was like that renaissance of it. So Nightly News was 2006 to seven. And uh, when he, a lot of his other own series at the time too, like Pax Romana and Red Mask from Mars, uh, look kind of similar as well. And um, I guess, what was his first Marvel thing? He did a couple of miniseries. Oh, man, his first Marvel work was a Satana one-shot. Hmm, who's Satana? Uh, she's another one of the, like, Tomb of Dracula era, like, characters. Oh. Like, one of those... Yes, there was a... They did a, like, framing uh, miniseries called Legion of Monsters, where it was, like, an anthology series of a couple of stories bringing a bunch of uh, horror characters back into the limelight. It looks like his first one was Secret Warriors. Right, so, yeah, then he did this Mojo World miniseries, <laughs> and... Uh, then Secret Warriors, which I he did with Bendis, actually. Wow. Mm. Uh, so co-wrote it with Bendis. Uh, then he was given his own uh, like free reign to do a Fantastic Four series. And Fantastic up... Four is kind of what made him, right? Yeah. And the complexity of that. And I think what Hickman, when uh, what I know of him, he's the most famous for, is like setting something up like 100 issues before paying it off. Yeah, he is like a long-term chess master. Yes. Uh, I would not say that is the case with the Manhattan Project. Not really. Um, And for the listener, I read the entirety of the Manhattan Project. Which is 29 issues total, so not too big an investment. Like, if someone was going to dive into, uh, you know, Hickman's Marvel work, it all, it for the most part, all flows into each other. Like, his Fantastic Four... I read some volumes of his, and I was like, is this the first one? I don't know what's going on. There's a lot of characters in this. Yeah, some of that's uh, due to numbering problems and Marvel constantly wanting to put out new number ones. Well, yeah, uh, the big two are constantly rebooting. It's like, number one, it's like, is it number one? Oh, shit, it's Marvel now! (laughs) Whatever that is. Yeah. Means. So I was already digging his uh, his Marvel stuff, his earlier Image miniseries, and then this um, Manhattan Project series started, and I, I remember one of the big hooks at the start was, oh, it's a new ongoing Image series by Jonathan Hickman, because he'd only done miniseries up to that point for Image. And, uh, Do you have a grand plan, Jonathan? Uh... Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Who can say? <laughs> maybe you'll have to read to the end to find yeah. out. Yeah, and well, as we mentioned before with Image Comics, uh, it's up to the creators when they want to get off the horse. Uh, yes. So if sales are not justifying it and people want to wrap a book up, they are free to do that whenever they want. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, Have you know, he said that he, like this will come back at some point when he's been interviewed about it? I don't know, because uh, I stopped reading comic press in oh. the last few years. I'd rather just be surprised when things are announced and pleasantly delighted when I hear that uh, something is being uh, reborn. So, uh, Manhattan Project, mm-hmm. we also picked it to tie in with Oppenheimer, which came out a month ago. Chasing those op bucks. <laughs> what did you think of the film? Uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yep. I wish I'd seen it in 70 millimeter, but I, I didn't. I did. It was glorious. It glorious was 70 Really millimeter. like soft and nice. And uh, I'm really glad we have uh, at least, what, two or three theaters that can play 70 mil? Uh, the Varsity. Yep. And Varsity Cinesphere number eight. can, but yep. it's not open right now. What else? Uh, well, uh, Theater One at the Lightbox. Right. And Theater One at the Lightbox. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Jackman Hall at AGO. Oh, which is can? not used for screening, but I'm pretty sure it still How has its thing. How did they let that great yeah. cinema die? I love that cinema. Every now and then there's like one-off screenings, one-off screenings but that's yes, it. But that's it's it. frustrating. So I love the Manhattan Project's mm-hmm. art by Nick Patera. Yeah. Is he, what else has he done? So I looked him up and near nothing huh. in terms of interiors. He did the uh, Mojo World series that yeah. uh, Hickman did, one of his earlier things. And he's only done like some random like one-off issues here and there and a bunch of covers. So and this is the only ongoing work he has done. For people uh, that may just be, you know, uh, aware of some like famous artist, his art is very Jeff Darrow-like. The guy mm. who did like Hard Boiled and Shaolin Cowboy. Oh, yeah. Good comparison. Which is like hyper detailed, but then there's yeah. like a bit of a cartoony edge to it. Like, like yeah kind of squiggly but with like definition and detail Mm -hmm. like it's not like there's almost a hyper detail at times yeah yeah now reading this comic i had no idea what it was other than oppenheimer was involved in it Mm -hmm. and i actually really like the first issue Mm. where like oppenheimer is introduced to this uh you know the manhattan projects yeah if you've seen the movie you see the opening scene being 
General Leslie Groves, who's the character Matt Damon played in the film, talking to Oppenheimer in his classroom or uh, educational mm. you know, space, as you see in the movie. Yes. And it's exactly in the yeah, film. Yeah. And then he's like, and then let me into uh, this world where right away we're introduced to like Japanese ninja robots that come through a portal and attack them. So when this happened, I was really excited. Mm -hmm. Now, much to my dismay, it doesn't really keep this kind of energy throughout the rest of the comic. Mm. And so, like, one of the things that I found a little disappointing was that there wasn't that level of creativity. And also, and this is probably my biggest sticking point, everybody in this comic is a huge piece of beep. <laughs> There's almost nothing for me to hang on to or care about how it turns out. Because Everyone is terrible. They're all horrible. Yes. Uh, I mean, one could make the argument in real life they all were too. Yeah, they're all horrible. So, uh, and I would also say that, like, you do not need, you know, um, likable characters yeah, to yes. get, you know, to have a piece of art that you enjoy. And I think that's kind of the point of this book also is that, you know, you need horrible people to accomplish these horrible things. Like, not just the Hiroshima bomb, but, mm. uh, you know, the other uh, fantastical stuff. And uh, actually, we should get into the basic premise of the book is that the Manhattan Projects, plural in this case, did develop the Hiroshima bomb, as you see in well, real history and the Oppenheimer movie, if you saw that. But in addition to that, they were also working on all sorts of other like top secret super science for the... And one of the jokes of the yeah. comic is that like everybody's based on real people and there's a lot of their real history folded into the comic. Yeah, my favorite character in the series is Harry Daglian, who in real life uh, did die horribly of radiation poisoning. Oh yeah, he ruled in this comic because in this comic it's revealed that he's now like a radioactive skull that is in like a mech suit yeah yeah so they're kind of doing like a dr manhattan but horrific version uh so, kind of here like what i like best about this comics is when they reach the end of an arc and they introduce foes that are more evil than the characters that we're dealing exactly with. like those aliens in this first volume yes yeah and that, that's when you're like oh i'm interested in this world and that like they're fighting against you know or uh, isn't it president truman is also like more evil and they turn him into an ai or that's FDR. Oh, FDR. Yeah, FDR right, right. dies, and they turn him into an AI at the base, and then uh, uh, President Harry Truman is sworn in, and he's like this horrible, horrible, like Illuminati uh, weirdo. So, did you read this months and months as it was coming out? I did. Uh, for the first, um, I would say, I think eighteen issues mm -hmm. I bought month to month. Uh, I still have those somewhere, and then I wound up, I think, uh, later finding back issues of nineteen twenty. And then I did not read beyond that until uh, these past few weeks. And the weird thing is the first, uh, the way it's collected, uh, if you get the hardcover editions, it's issues 1 through 10, and then uh, t 11 through 20, and then everything beyond that was not collected in hardcover, although I'm pretty sure they were in paperback, mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of weird if you were buying them in, in hardcover to, you know, drop that format. Yeah. When you're only expecting one more. So uh, reading this, I was yeah. like, I can't wait to see where John, like, where is this leading? Actually, reading this month to month was phenomenal. I was like, As these came out. Where are they building yeah. to? And then I put down the last volume and I was like, eh, I guess really nowhere. Yeah, yeah. That was one of, like, I think that's the taste in my mouth having finished this now mm -hmm. is that I kept waiting for that Jonathan Hickman. And he does a little bit yeah. of like, oh, Albert Einstein, who is also in this comic, is an evil Einstein from another dimension. Yeah. So Albert Einstein, who's, you know, at the Los Alamos base as well early on, he does. A, there's a couple of different things done with dichotomies in mm. this. So Albert Einstein is studying some sort of almost like the monolith in 2000, yeah, like a door, like some doorway. And early on, he uh, manages to open it up and another like slightly eviler but still very Einstein-esque version of Einstein, like comes through and pushes him into the door, yeah, yeah into the other So dimension. that Einstein is replaced with another Earth's version. Uh, and then, of course, there's the Oppenheimer thing, which you mentioned early on, where... Oh, we didn't mention what yeah. his actually driving thing is that Oppenheimer in this comic is complete... He's a sociopath serial killer yeah. who eats people's brains. And we learn in the comic he actually gains their memories and personalities when he does this. And those personalities then live in his brain. Yeah, I love when you see that that's not just for his mm -hmm. his twin brother, Robert, but for that alien. Yeah, because he, he gets the all alien. their memories and stuff like that. Yeah, so their personalities live on within him. And uh, and he's yeah stolen Robert Oppenheimer's identity. This is his evil brother, Joseph. And, uh, and no one is any the wiser. And he is kind of going along with all the sciencing and, and schemes they're doing. But clearly has some, you know, own long-term goal. I love that page where he's explaining like the future plans of the Manhattan Project, but right, like the secret plans we're not going to talk about. Secret, yeah, I think that that was another issue that I had is like I don't know what these characters' goals are, and they even yeah. reach in the volume that kind of Miracle Man problem mm. where it's like 
what do we do now? Yeah, I, I got the sense uh, that for a while, it, it felt like it was being made up as, as it went along in a, in a proactive way. Mm-hmm. Like every issue for the longest time, like some, you got to this point where issues didn't need to necessarily follow what happened in a previous issue. There's a lot of like really interesting one-offs in this, yes. but then you hit a point where it's like, and it, I think that's usually in the wind down point for a lot of image series. Maybe when a creator has decided to call like it quits. Maybe it's still popular. So I'm going to still keep writing it. But like, what am I writing yeah, about Yeah, and here? there is a point. And for, for me, I think the point is... Um, you know, if you read 20 issues, that's yeah. about where it lost me, I that think. That is absolutely... Cr- I yeah. think the point where they decided to wind it down, because issue 21 does a thing where you'll see a lot of comic series do this when the creator's winding it down, where the issue is told in a sort of flashback, like, here's what happened next. And if you remember issue 21 and on, uh, Richard Feynman is then sort of narrating what happened during the cold, the Cuban Cold War. Right, where the kind of like zooming through yeah, it's like sorry we're going through all this material wish i could stay but we got to get over this yeah so that fifth volume of issues 21 through 25 not very fun no it feels like they might have done more interesting stuff if it was kind of fleshed out a little bit more because it never reaches kind of like is there like kind of two big climactic points that the comic uh, you know reaches in that first 20 issues mm-hmm. one of them is aliens what's the other one? Oh, the u.s government yeah. attacks them because they've become their own independent organization pretty much of yeah. all these like smart people i would say like that doctor you mentioned who has the kind of like radioactive skull he is a sympathetic character in very the much i think yeah. the most sympathetic the most yeah. sympathetic yeah because he's kind of thrown in the situation can't really do anything if he takes his helmet off everyone in the room will die i do love that scene where they do that to the aliens yeah, to the early aliens. on See, like that's yeah. the kind of stuff I love, especially that it's like hinting at, oh, what does this all mean within a grander scheme? Yeah. And you do kind of learn about it a little bit later. It's not that exciting because we learn that one of the people in the Manhattan Project is an alien themselves. Enrico Fermi. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't, is, I'm sure that's a real person. He's a real person, yeah. 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 So he was involved in the uh, Chicago uh, side of the Manhattan Project and mm-hmm. uh, he only had a little cameo in the movie. And that's telegraphed early on. That's not a spoiler. No, because he has like he has Vulcan ears. He very clearly looks like a Vulcan But they're very surprised when he turns into and an I alien. And I think Harry Daglian even tells him in issue two or three... You know, at some point, you're going to have to tell someone you're an alien. Yeah, and that was like, they don't know he's an alien? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it clearly looks and like... And like, this art is gorgeous. And like, if, yeah. like, this is what would keep, you know, making me want to come back. It's also a hyper-violent comic that, mm-hmm. like, when people get killed, they get, like, their bodies are just mangled. And, like, especially at the beginning when you're introduced to all these characters, like, um... Uh, Richard Feynman, who's Feynman, a, yeah. I read his book because he had some kind of like okay. you know for beginners kind of books. Now is he is he supposed to in real life have been as much of a narcissist as he is? is I in don't the know. I know I, he I don't was know where the young guy. Okay. Like that was what he was known like as part of these kind of like scientific things. Yeah. In this book, I thought he was going to be the POV character at first, mm-hmm. but then in the issue where he's really properly introduced, he like gives up instantly to who he thinks is the enemy. Where he's like, I give up. I'll tell you all the that secrets. That was funny. He's like, Oh wait, no. Okay, this is the good guy side. Never mind then. Actually, I think the fact that the book doesn't have a main character is part of like the ongoing story and mm-hmm. hook because like you said there's no central pov character but that plays into things like where you finally have an enrico fermi pov issue and you see how he as an alien is processing information oh i love all the stuff that was phenomenal yeah. especially his friendship with yeah you know uh skull man and that because they're, they're the ones that were like the closest friends right yeah because you have like this uh, you know very obviously space alien and this like irradiated skull man in a mech suit and like of course they're going to be the misfit characters who bond with each other but i do say that this comic like looking at it is a perfect example of like oh this is what happens when a series is like huh? yeah yeah I, I kind of at the time reading these in single issues i kind of was okay with that huh? yeah because, well, I because, mean, for the first 20 issues, I'd be yeah. like, I want to know what happens next. Mm-hmm. Like, what is this building to? And you do get climaxes in it, so it does make it worthwhile, but it's just like the third act of the comic where it's like fumbles. Yeah, and then uh, it took a bit of a break and came back with that Yuri Gagarin miniseries. Did you read do that? Do not like that at all. Yeah, it's so, volume six of the comic. It's volume six, and it was its own numbered miniseries uh, named the, the Manhattan Projects, The Sun and the Stars, I think it was now, called. Now, I really like those characters yeah. in the con. So it's the first Russian astronaut, right? Yes, Yuri Gagarin and his space dog, Laika. Laika. Yeah. And like, uh, Laika, you know, it's really fun. He's not that villainous compared to everybody else. You mm. kind of like them. There's a funny joke that reveals that like, he's just a little man in a big astronaut suit wearing like stilts. Yeah. Wearing, yeah. Like, a suit open. <laughs> Cause he's always wearing a space suit. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. a joke. And Laika always has the helmet on as well. But then like, is it, 
it's not is it in that miniseries or is it earlier where like Leica is turned into a human? That's in that miniseries. And I was like, oh, are they gonna have sex in this comic? I was like, worried it would get furry and it does not. And then it was only after it and I was thinking about it and I realized what Hickman was doing in that miniseries mm-hmm. was basically killing his own series. Was killing it. But they that series is Guardians of the Galaxy. Did you uh, realize that? Uh, I guess. Yuri Gagarin turns into Star Lore, basically has an identical thing. Uh, Laika becomes humanoid and can talk, kind of like Rocket. Yeah. There's that floating head thing that only says one thing, kind of like Groot. Uh, well, that, that, I'm not saying that that I'm makes sure it Hickman necessarily did fun. The galaxy stuff. I, I in would his be surprised. Run at some point. Yeah, yeah. Like the way that comic ends is like, oh, this is just like a Shaggy Dog story, where it's like, hey, is it? Because yeah. it ends with spoiler alert. If you don't want the mini, both of them dying, and the dog being like, I don't like you, and then they die. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that's it. It's, I read all of this. Is how it ends. That's a very feel bad ending, and. Uh, yeah, if anyone is interested in collecting this, I'd recommend reading the first 20 issues. Yeah, uh, read the first 20 issues. Yeah. They're very in print. I mean, this is an image book. And I don't, I don't have we said this before? Like, the first image trade paperbacks are always, this one is not for some reason, but they're usually $10. Yeah. Because they want you to buy that first one. But they're also, images constantly remaindering them, and they're available at, like, uh, yeah. bookstore. Like, Half-price books yeah. if you're in the States. BMV uh, up here in Toronto. Uh, they're always at libraries, too. Always at libraries. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure this is still in print. Yes, I and, think so, too. Uh, this was probably enough of a good seller for image in that it did last for six volumes mm-hmm. uh which a lot of how long would don't. that have you know what the year span that it was it must have been a long uh, 2012 time. to 2015 okay. it says here that's it i would yeah. have thought it would have been like almost 10 years but man they were pumping them out then actually which is kind of rare because a lot of image series will take, take a breaks. break between yeah. arcs um so yeah, this was actually. We didn't even mention the Nazi was part. the mechanical hand. Oh, big yeah. part of the series. Uh, that's um, uh, Werner von Braun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Werner von Braun, the rocket and the guy who in real life, yeah, was a Nazi rocket scientist. Right, was he was the part of the... Project Paperclip, right? They brought him to the states. Yeah, to, yeah. Uh, but in this comic, he has a mechanical hand. I do like that, and you rarely see this come up with like cyborg or robot man or whatever. He's perpetually rotting. Yes, because They're constantly the, 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 talking the about flesh like, cannot interact with the metal. It doesn't really go anywhere though, other than. Him getting more robot parts throughout yeah, the comic. Yeah, he's constantly having to like, uh, you know, scrape off like fleshy bits and like reattach new robot parts. So I think this comic, great art, great yeah. ideas throughout. But even if I had like stopped, like I did not know Volume Six was a miniseries. Mm-hmm. Like I just like, all right, Volume Five, eh, it was all right. I, was, I can't wait for Volume Six to pick it up and stick that landing. And I was like, what the heck is this? As I'm reading it, I'm like, it's just about the dog and the spaceman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Volume One through Four tell like a pretty. I would say like not comprehensive story as that implies there's an ending, mm-hmm. but it's it's action packed. It's dense. You really get to know and like and hate all, so many of these characters. We didn't even mention the fact that like there's a, you know, sub story through these comics mm-hmm. that Oppenheimer, uh, the evil one who's still alive, ate his twin. And that twin is still alive in his head and waging a multi-issue war yeah. against his brain. The Oppenheimer Civil War. But even yeah. how that ends is like a shaggy dog like, eh, that's it. Yep. And it's like, man, all of that for that? I was like, I was very frustrated for yes. Robert Oppenheimer, the way it ended. Yeah, just because uh, it almost feels like, you know, uh, Jonathan Hickman is like, huh? Huh? Yeah. You think I'm gonna build to something, but I'm not, and it's like, oh, okay, I guess. Yeah, that's <laughs> you a got shame. me. <laughs> but I, I'm still so happy this exists. This was like such an entertaining month to month. I remember. I think my brother recommended this when it was coming out, mm-hmm. but I confused this and uh, Matt Kent's uh, Mind MGMT, which it doesn't have anything to do mm. with this. But for some reason, like the covers, like feel similar in my head. Yeah. When it was coming out, I reread these single issues like repeatedly over the last decade, and so seeing the Oppenheimer movie and actually seeing like all the characters you that know, you know oh, from the comics. When's Enrico Fermi going to become an alien? Oh. You know what? Teach us in school. Yeah. That's how you know. <laughs> Uh, you know, you'll get all this information down. Yeah, it, yeah. Completely based on real events. You know, <laughs> Florida or something like that will have it in their curriculum, I'm sure. But like, so if people want to get into uh, Jonathan Hickman, what would you recommend? If not this, is there any other comic? Maybe... 
like Justin, for example. Like I want to like love Jonathan Hickman. <sighs> That's a tough question because Fantastic Four, I guess. Well, his fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's not a tough question as much as a question with answers of wildly varying lengths. Like, what about um, his Avengers run? Is that one pretty well acclaimed? I it it very much is, and it directly leads into Secret Wars. The problem is, uh, it's about a hundred issues long. Oh, that's a long yeah. run. And, yeah, and uh, the first couple of arcs, uh, so impenetrable. It's oh, yes. very like. I read volume res. one. I was like, there's a hundred characters in this. How am I supposed to follow all this stuff? Yeah, and uh, and it was event hijacked about no! a year in by this event called Infinity where Marvel were like, Jonathan Hickman, you must use Thanos. Ugh. And he was like, oh, really? Do I gotta? And they were like, yep. And he does it, He thankfully, because he's Hickman, and I think he had enough cachet at the time, he does it in a way where he still managed to concoct an event that really wasn't about Thanos and try and like shunt him to the back as much as he could and then use the event to still tell the story he wanted to that was still building towards Secret Wars. And rereading that today... I mean, not literally today, but recently, it was. I, it's actually kind of amazing how deftly he manages to navigate the thing that we've complained about in like every third episode, mm-hmm. where like Marvel event forces an event yeah. on like a whole product line. And I uh, want to like Fantastic. I've never yeah. been a huge Fantastic Four fan. His, I love Ryan North. His Fantastic series. Four fan uh, run is is phenomenal. Have and you read I, Dan Slott's Fantastic Four run? Um, I've not, but oh. I like Dan Slott. Uh, endlessly yeah i really should get to that because he did point. a lot he did like 10 volumes of it and yeah, i yeah. picked up the first volume and i was like maybe i'll give this a try even though the thing i hate the most about comic i need to find a term for this okay is when you read an issue and you go am i supposed to know what's happening mm. that it doesn't communicate to you that like this is something that you don't need to know right now yeah and when that happens i hate when that happens where i'm like is there another issue i have to read mm. like because they kind of pulled away from saying like, oh, as reference in this, and then there's a little box or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, like I remember when I talked about, uh, I think it was that new Spider-Man series. Was it, is it Zeb Wells? Zeb Wells, I think, is writing it, yeah. Like where it started and I went, am I supposed to know what happened to Peter Parker? <laughs> that like in this, you know, flashback, and it's like, no, no, you're not supposed to know. It's like, Ugh, well, I had to look on the internet to know this information. Actually, Hickman's Fantastic Four series, uh, thankfully, doesn't really do that, and mm. it very much works as a standalone because when he took over, Fantastic Four was this like insanely like hard to keep writers on book. There was years of like just revolving door of people doing five issues here, six or twelve. Yeah, issues because Fantastic there. Four, it's yeah. Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, mm-hmm. and then I think probably is the most famous one, John Byrne takes over the title, writes yeah. and draws. Yeah, it's probably like the second longest run, if mm-hmm. not like maybe longer than Lee and Kirby's. I'm not sure. And you know, the Fantastic Four, I believe in Burns' run, are like, listen, Lavateria, or what's it? Latveria? La- Latveria is bad, yeah. but Doom is better than what could happen. Let's install him. It's like, oh, the Fantastic Four is the CIA? What's going on here? <laughs> um, and then probably nothing till Jonathan Hickman, right? Yeah, and his run created the uh, the Council of Reeds, which has been parodied in so many places now. Right? That's the Kang dynasty, or the Kang thing at the end of uh, Ant-Man, Quantumania. Yeah, yeah. Council of Ricks as well. And Rick and Morty, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the the hook of his run was that uh, yeah Reed Richards finds this interdimensional council of every other version of him who are devoted to you know cleaning up the universe. Now don't you don't need to send us emails. I know that there's science fiction novels where this concept already exists. There's of one. Course. Yeah, I think it's David Gerald wrote a sci-fi novel. Oh, I think it's the Man Who Folded Himself that mm. does have like a oh that title. Of, like, yes, yes, yes. All the different people like from different times that have created their own like we're mm. making decisions and stuff. Great novel. Really like that guy. I believe he wrote the Trouble was tribbles like that's his claim to fame so yeah we're a lot of great sci-fi novels i love all that kind of highfalutin science fiction ideas which is why i was like i should read this matt these matt fraction fantastic four and i feel i mean i cross my fingers is that the even the toronto public library system i would love to know who makes decisions on Mm -hmm. what we get to keep or what we don't keep yeah we'll have 15 volumes of nightwing volume one and two written by tom taylor (laughs) do you have volume three no we don't have that Uh, volume it's like why 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 don't you we have it electronically if you want i don't want the electronic version i want the in-print version i feel like hickman's fantastic four will be in print forever Mm -hmm. there's been multiple printings of fantastic four but john hickman putting it on proper reading order too because there'll be like you know one-off size stories and he himself is one of those writers like grant morrison who insists on like overseeing the omnibus versions and making sure like things are in the right reading order were you are, i always associate uh jonathan hickman with matt fraction as well did you ever read any matt fraction uh his ff series is incredible we talked right. about that last issue, issue, issue. again i say issue, say issue. issue. yeah uh, the yeah. one where uh it's like 
Ant-Man, Medusa, the woman that's in a thing suit. Yeah, like the new that's the new she thing mm-hmm. and uh and I think She-Hulk. In yeah. Dan Slott's uh like the third issue of his Fantastic Four run. Okay. And like every Fantastic Four run I've read, when they reboot it, they're like, the Fantastic Four is broken up. And it's like, why are you doing this? Mm. Um there's a joke where they're fighting a villain that's so powerful. And uh, Reed Richards uh, tells her, "Hey, can I bring the Fantastic Four in?" And he's like, and she's like, "Yeah, bring them in." You know, what 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 are two more people gonna do? And then he brings every person that's ever been a Fantastic Four <laughs> member. So there's like the woman in the thing suit, Iceman is there, and Human Torch is like, "When were you a Fantastic Four member?" So, <laughs> I was. Spider Man, of course, is on the team okay. as well. well it's great. like like 40 people show up. Oh, wow. Ghost Rider, I guess, was a Fantastic Four member at one point, too. Oh, geez. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, Fantastic Four episode in the future, I'd like to. And Matt Fraction, as well. Yeah. I always associate, especially, he did a lot of, like, those Casanova. I was reading those when they were coming I never out. read those. Yeah, yeah. very good. No, very I'd, good. I'd like to read more Fraction. I've barely read anything by him. And, but he kind of took a step back, as well. Like, he doesn't do that much hmm. kind of mainstream writing, right, Fraction, these days? Yeah, but every now and then he'll pop back. Like, didn't he do that Jimmy Olsen miniseries? Of a oh, Super he did. Times? That yeah. DC Comics one that, I, I'm the one who said, hey, have you read this? You're like, what? This exists? No, yeah, yeah and now, right. I'm now pretending I recommend it to you, <laughs> even though I haven't read it. Uh, uh, but, you know, we, we should be very clear as well as that, like, when we say people stop working at Marvel, it's because, like, Marvel sucks, it seems, mm-hmm. like, to work there. Like, I don't have any details, but you hear through the grapevine that, like, people just get chewed up and spit out of people like perhaps Chib Zdarsky, who's like, I don't want to write at Marvel. I'm also writing a comic that's almost like... An, kind of like an antithesis to Marvel is about working at Marvel. Yeah, that's why I mentioned at the very start of this episode with this Ultimate Invasion series by Hickman, this brand new miniseries. It's like he's back. I was a- I was actually convinced like he would not be back they at Marvel. They came to my house with yeah. a dump truck full of money. That might very well be it. How uh, can I say no? Yeah. Well, maybe he's back on the uh, Marvel train. I-, I saw Tom Taylor signed a exclusive agreement with DC. They oh. still do that? Like, because Bendis did as well. Usually, right? exclusive agreement for anyone who doesn't know just means don't work for the other one. Yes, so yeah, they can yeah. do indie projects. I think yeah. they just can't work for Marvel. Yeah, basically. or if you are exclusive with Marvel, you can't write for DC, and that's mm. really all it means. But I always feel that when they sign contracts like that, is like they've been burned hard enough, mostly by Marvel. It seems. Yeah. With that like ah, I'm not going to go work with them again. So. Well, Marvel had that uh, uh, really weird CEO for the longest time. Oh, Ike Perlmuter? He was the one who tried to like deprioritize the X-Men and the, the Inhumans. Four. Oh, did you ever read the James Robinson run on Fantastic Four? So James Robinson's the guy who did Starman, yes. right? Excellent writer. Okay. Everywhere. Everywhere. I've ever read James Robinson is phenomenal. He wrote the most depressing run of Fantastic Four ever because the point of the run was- To kill the Fantastic Four? Just, well, just uh, not just like kill the book- with, I guess, low sales, but also, you know, no more stories to tell, but, like, publicly shame the Fantastic Four into, like, disbanding and not existing anymore. It was miserable. And if people, I think we made it clear, the reason this was happening was that those properties were owned by Fox, and, like, Marvel, aka Disney, did not have access to Fantastic Four, Mm X-Men, which is why they, you know, deprioritized them, and also said, people love the Inhumans, right? More (laughs) Inhumans, they can be our X-Men. Yep. You watch the TV series, right? Uh Right? No? Uh Okay. (laughs) I, just this week, I looked and went, maybe I'll watch Agents of (laughs) S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, I watched, like, the first couple of episodes and i was okay. like, kind of like this did you ever watch it uh, yeah i watched the first four seasons it is a rough start oh it, it does pick four, up first four seasons yeah i actually wow, you qu- didn't react when i said anything so because oh, i was okay. like there's some really weird because like they had access to nothing on that show yeah like but like the dark hole shows up in it is like a big plot point they for had a access while. to stuff that the movie division hadn't gotten their hands on yeah. yet hey look it's Basically. ghost rider but oh he drives a car though yeah yeah <laughs> and he probably will not be saying or doing too much <laughs> did they get into more of the kind of like you know um obscure stuff because that's what interests me not really not really they're just okay. kind of telling their own story but they actually made a lot of their own story really really good okay and that's what i liked more about it once it sort of i think really caught got its legs going well they realized i think after season one that oh we're not going to even try to connect to the movie universe yeah. it's too complicated so we're just going to do our own thing so i will say it gets better if it's a show okay. you want to stick with even passively as you're like on your workout bike or anything else i enjoyed it quite a bit all right well i will yeah. be checking that out as well bringing it back manhattan project mm-hmm. check it out jonathan hickman check him out he's one of the big major uh did he ever work for dc no he's done no dc work at all according to his bibliography here yeah, uh so yeah lots of image comics uh and lots a ton of marvel comics is he one of the guys that's like i don't really like superheroes have you ever heard him talk about that because you know like all those guys in the 2000s like mark yeah. miller 
he's like a Warren Ellis. Like I don't really like. Superhero. I don't think he's like that. I okay. think he loves them because oh, his Fantastic Four and Avengers runs uh, are and X Men are all about like building up. Mm-hmm. They are not deconstructions. Like there is <laughs> don't like, like that anymore. There is like a mega like joy in oh, a lot of his oh, work, I and I think you would very much appreciate. I that. will be checking that out. As per usual, you can send us emails at the very fine comic book podcast at gmail.com. That's right. Oh, I wonder if, do I put it in the description? I should. So you can just click on it. Actually, that would be good. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll start doing that. And uh, add us on Instagram at the very fine comic book podcast and send us messages. We do not have enough followers because if you search the very fine comic book podcast, Instagram and Google, we do not come up. You have to look into Instagram and search. Oh, interesting. So follow us. Follow us. Yes, please follow us. And uh, you know what we should start saying more often is, Please rate and review us. Yeah, we should say that. Yeah. Also, we can do what I've been doing on the Base Street Video Podcast recently, and you can bribe people. And we can do like a giveaway of a comic if they give us five-star reviews. But how do we know that When they the have? person wins, okay. we'll say it on the podcast, and then they can email us and just say, oh, I'm the winner. Like, we do not have enough listeners that people are going to be trying to scam us. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And would you be someone who doesn't have, you know, uh, I guess, you know, isn't truthful? If you would lie about winning or not, I hope you wouldn't because you would be shamed by the host of this podcast. Yeah, I mean, I think no one would want like people leaving five star reviews that just look like, you know, quickie things meant no. to win a contest. But, yeah, do yeah. it if you feel like you like the podcast. You, you have Don't to, just yes, do it. Please actually like it. <laughs> but listen, people like doing stuff if they get something out of it yep. or there's the promise of something out of it. I'm mm-hmm. 100% sure I can look through my collection and find a trade paperback or two or even you that you could just Absolutely. Give away. At any given moment, I have a like a sell pile, a giveaway pile and a like donate to library pile. All right. So, so yeah. we'll go through that and I don't think it'll be a mystery. But if you do it now, um, when is this one coming out? In two days, right? So how about we'll, we'll we'll pick one at the end of September. That'll be our first winner. We'll just go through all the reviews that have been posted up till now. So if mm-hmm. you posted before, you're not disqualified. Don't worry about that. Write a five-star review. Your thoughts. We'll pick a name, and they'll win that prize. Woo-hoo. There's interaction now to this podcast. Wonderful. Uh, so we do have an email here. And it's from Steph, and they go, Hey, Mike and Justin, I saw Mike's post on Facebook about Eisner Awards episodes. Had a listen, and it was great. Made me want to pick up more Jeff Lemire. Luckily, there's a lot. (laughs) Oh, there's so much of it. And it's all good. About Lore Olympus and Webtoons, I believe that's something that won or got nominated, and I saw, I was like, oh, it's a Webtoon. Though Webtoons started in South Korea, it has creators from all over the world. Rachel Smythe of Lore Olympus is actually from New Zealand. Oh, cool. A lot of webcomic staples like Blue Chair, Sarah Anderson, and Adventures of God are also on Webtoon. DC and Marvel have also published webcomics there too, starting with Batman Wayne Family Adventures, which is a wholesome, chaotic Bat Family content of my dreams. Marvel really only published an Eternals movie tie-in comic, which is... Okay. (laughs) Definitely not as good as some of their Infinity comics on Marvel Unlimited. Maybe worth a look for future episodes? Now, I think Webtoons as well, what distinguishes them is their red panel to panel. Yeah, thank you for the email, Steph, and thanks for listening. And actually, I'm glad you brought up the Marvel Infinite comics there so I could put in a frame of reference what those were. Because, yeah, those were a sort of... uh, uh, thing designed to be read panel by panel where very often it would utilize the one at a time approach to do like interesting things like something jumping out at you after a couple panels of nothing so Mm. you were designed to sort of like be progressing through them even though i just saw an ad for bat batman family adventures so it's coming out in print so they actually i mean why not you know if something is being made for the web like i I would love if there is a like permanent version also i heard chip zadarsky talking about it and he like i think he may have done one or two and he did not like doing it because like it demands it to be kind of like a like a vertical format which is difficult or horizontal horizontal, one panel yeah yeah yeah. yeah. like widescreen storytelling uh i mean what is this 2001 in comic books widescreen that was a phrase at the time yeah those things can use the web medium really creatively Creatively. It really uh, depends on, I think, the creator. And um, actually, I've never heard of that Bat Family thing, but whenever a Bat book is done like 100% wholesome and unironically, I am all for it. Love I think it. if that was done like too commonly, it would lose its luster. But whenever... Did you read Gotham Academy? Uh, a long like, time ago, is yes. Is that the, what, the one I'm thinking of? Yeah, yeah, the one where they're all in school. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was wonderful. Yeah, that was big for a while, right? What, what an incredible series by uh, Becky Cloonan. But, uh, Webtoons. Webt- uh, I think the only one I've read is in print, and it's a South Korean comic, The Boxer, which I very much enjoy. I love that title Steph just mentioned, you Adventures be careful about with typing, God. You're typing very loud, so okay. I think the mic may pick it up. Webtoon Adventures of God. What a great title this is, and it looks like it's as literal as I hoped it would wow, be. Wow, that Adventures of God... Looks like Family Guy. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> One of the Family Guy ripoff shows that were coming out. Uh... Here's a single panel of Jesus uh, annoyed at God saying, another hurricane, why didn't you prevent it? And God is drunk on the couch saying, I, uh, Wait. with like drunk bubbles. And this is the Webtoon version, uh, right? Th- I guess it is, yeah. Ah, this feels like 2005. <laughs> now let me go to stickdeath.com to see if there's any new animations that have been posted. Oh, man. Well, we will be uh, checking into that. Maybe we'll do a Webtoons episode. But yeah. it will be one that we will have to do. Discover on our own because we know nothing about it. So that's it for this week's episode. What are we doing next week, Mike? Next week, we're going to be looking at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, I love the Teenage Mutant Ninja We're doing the Peter Laird, Kevin Eastman original run, right? Not quite. We're oh. going to be doing uh, TMNT Adventures. Adventures? Which was the uh, cartoon-inspired series that was published by Archie Comics and was surprisingly phenomenal for what it was. Yes, that would, you'd be very surprised to hear it had one writer that wrote all like uh, 70-ish issues because he left and then it was canceled a couple issues after that. Yeah, and a revolving door of artists of uh, like wildly different backgrounds yes. which we'll speak to as well. Some of them, most of them you get the sense of like please, we'll pay you if you just issue, do this one issue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have some very, very fond memories of issues of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles adventures that I read as a kid. Me too. Specifically, yeah in the digest format Mm -hmm. that I remember picking them up in that and reading it over and over and over again. So we'll be talking about that. I like how you're like, me too. You were 10 years older than me. You were too old to be reading those (laughs) mics. They came out in what, 88 or so? Uh, Yeah, I think 88 is when I think it was literally 10. Oh, Wait, so you were reading them at age zero? Uh, (laughs) I'm impressed. 87. Well, I was reading the digest versions, 92. So we had probably five or six I was reading them. Okay. So that's what we're going to be talking about next week. We read a lot of issues for this podcast. I read up to where you read issue number 25. Good, good. And even more than that, because I also read the Future Shark trilogy, because that's the one that people really recommend. That's mm. one of the 40-ish is- issues. Mm. That's what we're going to be doing next week. Until then, my name's Justin Clue. I'm Mike Wood. I think Mike goes, keep reading comics now. Or you say keep reading comics. Oh, keep reading comics. Manhattan comics. Manhattan comics. <laughs> ah, yes. Dr. Manhattan. Before yeah. Watchmen. Yep. All right, that's good. No, such a good community Los Salamos Ashley Pond Manhattan Project Los Salamos Los Salamos Best place in the world Good community Oh, oh, oh Everybody in Los Alamos is a good all-American person. No, whoa, whoa. Los Alamos County having such a good time. Lots of good people having good times in Los Alamos. They got wonderful neighborhoods filled with wonderful people. La 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 la. Los Alamos, Los Alamos is wonderful. Everybody who lives there is a good person. Good population of wonderful people who love America. Los Alamos, good, nice neighborhoods. Good, wonderful people. Ashley Pond, look at the pond. Look at the ducks. Look at Los Alamos. Have a grand old time.